Chapter 12 of The Recording Angel by Edwin Arnold Brenholtz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kate Fallis. Chapter 12 Beyond the infinite and boundless reach of mercy, if thou didst this deed of death, art thou damned. Shakespeare. As the detective took leave of him, Arndt stepped to the door which Rollins was still holding open for him, and as he shook hands with the faithful old servant, he gave him encouraging news in regard to Nettie. Instead of going with him, Rollins detained Arndt and said, Mr. Andy left word that whenever you came you would find him in the office, and that I was to show you about the house before you went to him, but I told him that you knew this house as well as he did, having been all over it many times with Mr. Robert when you were boys together. He was pleased, but he said, Well, well, men in active business seem to know pretty much everything that is going on in the world, except what is occurring in their own homes. And I guess he is correct. He mostly is, concluded the old man musingly. Then recollecting himself, now you're free of this house and I'm glad of it. Thank you, Rollins. I will see Mr. Andy at once, as I have not long to stay. When he entered the office, he heard his friend whistling and the cheerful tone of his voice as he said, Glad to see you, Charlie, convinced Arndt at once that the dreaded interview had turned out unexpectedly well, at least for the father. So he was not surprised at the news which the latter told him and only said, in regard to the threats Robert had made and about which his father felt it his duty to inform Arndt. He is your son, sir, and therefore not the man to resort to personal violence. He will probably try to ruin me financially or discredit me with the union, but I hope that we can parry his blows, and if he is going to Europe, we will have no trouble for a while. I hope he will know me better before he returns. I would like to remain and talk with you, but I am obliged to meet the Union this afternoon. They are entitled to know how matters are proceeding, and the two other members of the committee will be anxious to hear from me. We must devise some means of employment for the men. Whether there is anything in the idea about Satan, I, for one, doubt, but I know that the rest of the line that says, Satan still some mischief finds for idle hands to do, has a good foundation in fact. President Truman of the Union, whom I saw, oh yes, he was in Clyde, and Chandler and I parted from him only at the door of the courthouse, this in answer to a look from Mr. Andy said that while there had been no trouble anywhere yet, still the great work of the local branches must be put into this matter of employment and amusement, and he thinks if we can keep the men from getting into mischief or discontented we will win this strike, and he hopes that, if won, it will be the last strike, and it must be won by sheer force of public opinion. The way things have been going so far, he said, could not be bettered, and I think that we will have less trouble than usual, since even the youngest and most thoughtless members of the Union seem to realize the importance of keeping everything quiet. Chandler says we must have the laws on our side, that the laws are mostly right, and that we must not allow ourselves to be aggravated into breaking them. He is particularly emphatic about that point. He says he will guarantee us victory if we will keep down the destruction of property and hold out. My own idea is that a great many of the laws are all wrong, having been placed on the statute books by the power of money, 
but Chandler insists that the trouble all lies in the unjust interpretations placed on those laws by judges who are more often swayed by public opinion than by money. At any rate, we will have to keep wide awake almost all the time, day and night, to head off Mr. Craggie. He is apt to be on his mettle by this time, and he keeps the rails hot these days. They say that the time he made in coming from Pittsburgh to Clyde beat the world's record for fast traveling. The way he goes about regardless of others' rights should not be permitted, said his hearer earnestly. That will come to an end soon, I think. I was much pleased to hear quite a lot of kicking at Clyde about the way regular trains are delayed in order to give him the right of way. Even twenty years ago he could not have done that, and if we win it is certain that he nor any other private individual will hereafter be able to do it. But Mr. Voss is his creature, as he was practically elected to his position by Mr. Craggy. Well, I must be going. All right, said Mr. Endy. As soon as I get a little lunch, I'm intending to run down and call on Nettie and your sister. Come to me tomorrow if you can find the time. I have some plans I want to discuss with you. Very good, sir, said Arndt, and left the house. The remaining hours of this Friday evening and until almost midnight were spent by Arndt in the committee room of the Union. A strike involving what this one did takes thought and careful management, and it is not always easy for three men to agree as to what is best to be done, even in small matters. When Arndt left the room, he said good night to his companions at the outside door of the building and walked briskly for the night was cold toward the river road. Now, the shortest way to his destination lay right through the Endy grounds, and the gates of this place had not been closed in ten years. But, of course, as these grounds were private property, the public did not pass through them. And so it was with a feeling of pleasure that he felt himself at liberty to walk along under those beautiful trees, which, although now bare of leaves, were still an ornament to the place, and as he strode swiftly over the smooth paths, he thought— if it did not mean so much injustice and such deadening of manhood, it would certainly be nice to feel oneself the owner of such a place. Maybe, in time to come, when things are straightened out, and each man is receiving his just share of the proceeds of his labor, many more may rightfully, and with an easy mind, possess such places. But of course in miniature, as the world is not large enough to give many of us such a slice as this, I'm going to suggest to Mr. Endy that he allow the public to walk through here. It will be good discipline for the public to learn to enjoy their privileges at the same time that they learn to respect his legal rights. Busy with these thoughts, he had taken the wrong turning at one of the numerous curves in the path, and when the moon came out, he found himself on the road that led directly past the mansion. Psha! said he aloud. Looks as if I will have to learn the place over again. I might as well have gone round the outside, been home just as quick. Well, I will go right on till I meet the main carriage drive, and that will take me straight home. The night was so dark, when the moon was behind the heavy snow-laden clouds, that he came opposite to the mansion without noticing where he was, but as he stepped from the gravel walk on the turf, in order to make a short cut to the carriage drive, he detected the sound of another footstep besides his own. 
it was close behind him and instinctively he dodged making a quick movement to one side and probably in that movement saved his life for the blow aimed at him from behind barely grazed the side of his head and did him no injury except to cause unconsciousness for the time and a very sore head for a great while longer as he lay on the ground only stunned for the moment his assailant advanced towards him saying i'll make sure of you anyhow young fellow you aren't going to order your men to shoot to kill without paying for it the last half of the sentence was distinctly heard by arndt but in spite of the fact that his memory recorded the words his brain did not take in their meaning until afterwards and now only busied itself with repeating the sentence over and over again the sense of his danger seemed swallowed up in the mental operation and the assassin would undoubtedly have accomplished his purpose if there had not at this moment been heard a terrible cry of pain coming from the house and arndt's assailant paused then as another man rushed from the house out of the front door close to where arndt was lying the person who had felled him turned and fled as fast as his feet would carry him that cry restored Arndt to the full possession of his faculties, and he was instantly in the house saying loudly, Rollins! Rollins! and feeling for the place to turn on the electric current. Stopping where he thought the knob ought to be, he groped about for a moment, and then as his hand touched it, the hall was flooded with light, and the servants rushed in. Nothing appeared to be wrong within sight, and they, Rollins and Arndt, hastened to the only room whose occupant had not already appeared. This room was on the second floor of the mansion, and outside the windows of the adjoining room, which was Mr. Endy's study, was an open balcony surrounded by a railing of ornamental ironwork, and the whole balcony was virtually surrounded by the limbs of the ancient oak that stood some distance from the main building, many of its limbs having been trimmed away to make place for the balcony. It was this fact that had caused Arthur's uneasiness, for he knew that a pane of plate glass is no protection, especially where access could be so readily gained to it. When Rollins and Arndt reached the bedroom, they found the door to it standing wide open, propped back with a chair, and within, lying insensible on the floor, they found Robert Endy Sr., and the blood was flowing from an ugly wound on his head. To quickly place the insensible man on his bed and dispatch a servant for Dr. Kennedy was the work of a moment. Rollins busied himself with the water and towels, and Arndt, who was still feeling shaky, sat down, and then thought to request the servants to not touch anything about the place until the detectives arrived. Then he himself looked about the room but found nothing until Rollins called him and showed him a small bunch of black hairs grasped tightly in the clenched fingers of the unconscious man these he instructed rollins to leave just where he found them while waiting for the doctor and the detectives arndt had time to consider things a little and as he smoked a cigar in the library he reviewed all that had occurred and finally said to himself well we all need to learn a whole lot yet i never once thought of danger from that quarter yet what could be more natural these men of the lowest class, whom I pity from the bottom of my heart, for they, as well as the rest of us, are the product of the times in which we live, and are the direct result of hereditary influences and their environment. 
these men are more the foe of the middle class than they are of the rich a rich man's house or bank or store is rarely burglarized for they are able to pay for protection moreover i believe that we would find the majority of the victims of the murderer among the poor and not among the rich and that also out of all proportion to the difference in numbers between the rich and the poor why when i come to think of it it is a fact that a thug would probably get more out of my pocket-book at this moment than he would out of mr craggie's for craggie rarely pays for anything at the time he buys it his credit is unlimited and he handles almost no cash at all and besides if the thug knocked me down and robbed me there would not be much of a row but if it were mr craggie the earth wouldn't have a hole secret or deep enough to hide the man in why this is the reason the rich are not scared at the terrible increase of the class that refuses to work they don't prey upon the rich but upon the working man and the man of moderate means now in the history of every strike in the past one can clearly read that this class together with the less intelligent among our own men have always been the indirect cause of our defeat they are our natural enemy and since that order to shoot to kill why of course they see that we are beginning to realize it and as the big corporations will have to bear the blame for any murders that take place during the strike they can't shift the blame onto us these fellows expect for a certainty to go free without even a shadow of suspicion well i'll not say anything about this except to our own leaders and so these men will not be put on their guard i'm sorry for them but we will be more certain now than ever to shoot to kill at this point dr kennedy arrived and arndt went with him to mr andy's room as soon as the physician saw his patient he said to arndt send for king and arrange for a special to bring him out at once this is serious the shock alone is enough to kill a man of his age after he had given the necessary orders to rollins and while he was assisting kennedy to the best of his ability arndt thought they talk about the equality of the rich and poor but i don't see it now i am thankful that nettie and mr endy will be able to get the benefit of dr king's great ability but it is no merit of theirs that secures them this advantage it is money that does it i see no reason why the poor should have to put up with the services of inferior men or be practiced on for the benefit of students while learning equality pshaw we haven't a speck of it shortly after this the first detective arrived on the ground and asked to see arndt arndt's first question was did you bring the hounds not a bit of use said the man shortly snow is six inches deep perfect blizzard raging out there ever since midnight or so dogs ain't in it in this case will you please tell me all you know about it arndt told everything except the attack on himself and then took the man to mr endy's room and showed him all there was to see there including those incriminating hairs no sooner did he see them than he said black of course color of his son's hair been having a row with his father afraid another will might be made that would cut him off entirely cases as plain as a clay pipe stem piece cut out of the pane of glass in the study is just a blind front door and this one found wide open and propped back just so he came in that way and he had a key robert endy jr is my man he had made up his mind and would listen to nothing arndt had to say on the other side and so arndt was powerless to prevent him leaving and swearing out a warrant for robert's arrest 
when king arrived another detective from clyde came this one took things more leisurely and asked a great many more questions and he soon discovered that there was something arndt was not saying anything about he was a much shrewder man than the first and finally said now mr arndt i want to say this to you i think from the facts good enough discovered that he is right enough as to his conclusions but you are not telling me all i am perfectly sure that there is no labor leader in this land but would die in defense of mr endy so far as i know he is not an enemy or ill-wisher on the face of the earth unless it be his son or mr craggie now i have often worked with arthur and am a great friend of his you know arthur would you tell him everything certainly said arndt it is my intention to do so if you are a personal friend of his i have no objection whatever to telling you all and my reasons for wishing to keep my portion of the adventure quiet for the present then he told and together they went out and hunted around in the snow for evidence to corroborate his statements the snow was not over three inches deep even then and they found a bunch of keys and his hat which he had not missed till they started out and the club with which he had been struck it was a sandbag after they had returned to the house, Wellington, the detective, said to him, Mr. Arndt, you were wise to say nothing about this other matter. Of course, your hair is very light and the other is jet black, but you were the first on the scene. You are suffering from an injury on the head, and in a certain way the strikers would be benefited by the death of Mr. Endy, provided they could saddle the blame on the corporation. That you are entirely innocent is clear to me but there are a lot of fool detectives like good enough who would be very willing to make things quite unpleasant for you i shall say nothing whatever about the attack on you unless you need my testimony to help clear you arndt thought to himself my god and what would even he suspect if he knew that by that last will the strikers actually derive more benefit from mr endy's death than life but he thanked the detective and prepared to return home in the hall he met kennedy who noticed that he was suffering and to him he confided all the facts for on kennedy he could implicitly rely and then kennedy examined his head and shoulder and applied some remedies which he said would soon make him as good as new but he added you had a narrow escape you can't do that twice without being killed and then arndt who could do nothing more went home and took the rest he so much needed at least he took part of it in the meantime goodenough was hot on the trail of robert and went south after him with a rush but he could not resist the temptation to pocket a hundred dollar bill which a wily newspaper man reporter for the clyde daily clarion offered him when he found him puffed up with self-importance and so as arthur was eating breakfast in clyde whither he had traced robert when he doubled back the preceding day it was but natural that the big and staring headlines announcing the attack on his employer and the additional fact that robert was the suspected man should meet his glance and it was then the work of but a few moments to swear out a warrant and drive to robert's apartments with the result we have seen and then arthur heartily said amen in answer to robert's emphatic words i am innocent sir may that man who touched a hair of my old father's head be everlastingly damned end of chapter twelve